0: Good afternoon, and welcome to this radio edition of Brighton Left, where this time we're talking about the most original news, that Iraq is in crisis. With me, Sam Watling. Me, Thomas Sood. And me, Jack Cross. Okay, and kick us us off, here is Jack Cross with the introduction of what exactly is happening.
1: Thank you, Sam. Well, as most of you will, or I'd... well, I hope all of you are aware that Iraq is in a rather large crisis at the moment, with the Sunni Islamist mo- movement known as ISIS taking control of Iraq's second-largest city Mosul and and moving towards Baghdad. It is it all gaining ground rapidly, and it is and and it's perfectly possible that ISIS could capture the capital Baghdad. ISIS are a Sunni Islamist movement. That really has come about, that it has has come across um, from Syria into Iraq to do this. And they are supported by many Sunni factions in the country, many other Sunni militias, due to the fact that the Prime Minister Nouri al Maliki, who is a Shia Muslim, has isolated many of the Sunni parts of Iraq through his administration, and people simply aren't happy about this. Um, the movement has a fight. Well, has um, a well, Basically, has five main aims um, when it takes power. And is to remove coalition forces from Iraq, overthrow the Iraqi government, assassinate all collaborators with the Iraqi government, remove the entire Shia population, and defeat all of their milit- militants with their militias, and establish a pure Islamic state. And of course, like the Western world, it really, of course, does not like this at all, uh, the US are considering some sort of intervention, they're all saying, you know, no boots on the ground and phrases like that, and things such as airstrikes are favoured more. But of course, this, um, this crisis has quite deep roots, um, which go back way into Iraqi history, and so we're going to go over to Sam now to take us through part of Iraqi history. Iraq is known as the cradle of civilization, and
0: this is quite well deserved when you consider lots of its ancient history. The first cities sprung up there, and indeed the first major empires of Assyria and later Babylon, whose cities were uh, situated on somewhere, well, quite near Baghdad today. However, after the, the these two empires, the history of Iraq became one not of a dominating state, but indeed one more caught between the competing aims of others, conquered by both the Persians and the Greeks. It later became a buffer state between the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire, and was fought over by people like the Emperor Trajan. However, for Iraq's main history is, and its main form comes about today as what happened in, after the years following the death of the Prophet Muhammad, where, uh, where the cap- capital of the new Islamic Caliphate was moved from Damascus to the less-at-risk Baghdad, where it became one of the greatest cities in the world, known as the Round City with a population of one million people. However, this flowering of Islamic culture was brought to an end, not by, by Islamic wars or crusades, but by something that had the same impact for India, China and Russia, which was the invasion of the Mongols. In 1258, the Mongol Empire besieged, captured and sacked Baghdad, killing anywhere in the region of 200,000 to half a million and destroying the city as a major centre of culture by throwing all their books into the river to make a bridge for them to cross. There was also the murder of the caliph who lived in Baghdad, the title that has never been taken back properly, even though some may want it, but the great force unifying the Islamic world was gone forever. However, the Islamic world was of course not gone, and Baghdad and Iraq continued to be shuffled between the competing claims of other empires. After the defeat of the Mongol Ilkhanate by the by the Timurids, it became part of that empire. But after that collapse, it ended up in first between the competing tribe of the Karakondu and the Akondu tribes. But eventually after everything settled down, it became contested between The Ottoman state and the Persian Safavid state. The Ottoman state was a Sunni state and the Safavid state was a Shia state. And both nations would imprint their own culture and views onto Baghdad and influence its history, as they would with all of Iraq. It was under the control of the multicultural Ottoman Empire for the majority of the time due to their superior weaponry and military victories. However, the Ottoman Empire was not a federation of nation-states that could be easily broke up, but rather a complex group of, eth- of mixed ethnicities, tribes, which had been left to develop themselves under comparatively quite loose Ottoman rule. And, and so, after the collapse of the Ottoman Empire in, after the First World War, It was Iraq and the entire region were carved up into a British mandate and given their own borders.
2: Okay, so after being carved up into a British mandate, um, in 1921, Britain decided to step back from actually administering Iraq itself and decided to appoint a a monarchy. Who they appointed a monarchy was, um, under the advice of Lawrence of Arabia, Fazil the uh, however, he wasn't well known in Iraq, and um, was primarily from Syria. Was from Syria. Um, parts of him was Syria. Parts of him, Syria. Part of him was Syria. Um, however, Fazil had this dream of a pan-Arab state and tried to control tensions between different Muslim sects. He attempt, uh, by having different uh, Shia and Sunni all part of the government. He attempted to reinvigorate the economy, built uh, massive motorways, roads, uh, tried to get more and more into oil, and was generally popular. Uh, it, in 1932, he managed to gain independent, get, get Iraq independent from the British Empire. However, it did come at the cost that Britain still had the ability to have unlimited troops in the country without the consent of the Iraqi government. However, King Basil died on the 8th of September of 1933, some suspect to arsenic poisoning, and his son took over. During this time, we're now looking at uh, the influence of World War I, no, World War II. And uh, in 1941, a coup d'etat was initiated against the Iraqi government, funded by the Axis powers. Britain was afraid that if this um, coup was successful, um, they would cut off, Iraq would cut off oil supplies to Britain and would instead start financing Germany and Italy. So if they decided to invade Iraq. Uh, in what became the Anglo-Iraqi War, which lasted 29 days in 1941. Uh, The military occupation which followed convinced many of the Iraqis that they were being heavily controlled by the Western powers. This was some actions like the Baghdad Pact, which put Iraq in a pact with Iran, Pakistan and Turkey to stop the spread of communism. And when Egypt nationalised the Suez Canal and Britain invaded, Iraq was forced to support the invasion, though they were heavily sympathetic to Egypt, as but because they were a British ally, they had to continue with it. They began to feel that the government, and I quote, was a tool of the Western world, and this led to the 1958 revolution. However, the government was unstable, and over the next ten years, there were two more coups revolutions, however you want to think of it, and eventually, the Arab Socialist Bahafa Party came in to power in 1968. Saddam Hussein was a member of this party, and he worked his way up, slowly taking more control and in 1979 became president of Iraq. 1979 is a very good place, actually, when you come to the history of Iraq, as during this time, Iran was having its own revolution. Now, this worried Iraq, as they were afraid it would inspire uprising among their own repressed minorities, and in 1980, Iraq invaded Iran, what became known as, very creatively, the the Iraqi-Iran War. Very initially there yeah, were well, quick gains by Iraq, it looked like they'd take over uh, very quickly, Iran pushed back and the war ended up lasting 8 years. It was only ended it ended by a UN brokering deal. During the war, chemical weapons were used by Iraq against Iran and also um, in the Anfal campaign, which was a targeted campaign against the Kurdish Iraqis, marked up 100,000 of them, including 90 Kurdish villages. It is thought that uh, the US sold Iraq, these chemical weapons, as they also had helped, them, uh, mili- they had helped their military and with intelligent, um, intelligence. Iraq, it's also not- worth noting that Iraq was also supported in the Iraq-Iran war by the Soviet Union, France, the Uni- uh, United States, United Kingdom, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait and Jordan. So in a way, it's a bit surprising that it uh, they didn't win. Anyway, the war ended in 1988. And from there on, we're going to give you Jack to describe a series of more and more horrible wars. Thank you, Thomas.
1: The next major war that involved Iraq was the first Gulf War, in which Saddam Hussein invaded the neighbouring, but very small, but also very rich in oil state of Kuwait, which which increased the oil potential of, of all Iraqi territory giving them a huge control over the overall oil wealth of the world. In response to this, a a vast coalition of Western and Middle Eastern nations, including ourselves, the UK, the US, Saudi Arabia, and many nations, allied together to beat um, Iraq and force them out of Kuwait, which they did fairly quickly and fairly successfully. However... Um, I've lost myself... <laughs> the war had a very serious effect on Iraq. I mean, there were uprisings um, during the war by Shia, Muslims and, and by Kurds to overthrow Saddam Hussein. And this was a very bloody uprisings that led to the deaths of over 100,000 civilians. Um, and the, after the war Iraq was also ordered to disarm or or face military or face so face economic sanctions and and they refused to disarm so they had very heavy economic sanctions imposed which crippled the country and and completely devastated the economy in um in 2003 in march um the coalition of forces led by the wonderful wonderful George Bush and the U.S. Um, invaded Iraq on uh, um, based on the belief that they um, that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, which they did not. <laughs> it turned out the invasion only lasted 21 days, and uh, um, but however, the actual fighting continued with, with the guerrilla war that lasted until 2011, and and it's very, and it was very clear quite early on that the intelligence was wrong about um, Saddam Hussein. Possessing WMDs, weapons of mass destruction, in the insurgency, um, there were huge, huge numbers of attacks. In 2005 alone, there were 34,000 different attacks, and and which, which, which of course is, which is of to any country. The um, Bahaf Party, or however you pronounce it, was removed from power by the U.S. and Saddam Hussein was tried for crimes against humanity and executed on the thirtieth of December two thousand and six. And after and over the last few years the Western coalition would would attempt to try rebuild the country, installing a democratic um, um eventually installing a democratic government. And f- in two thousand seven the coalition forces began to withdraw. Um the um the Coven government in Iraq, led by what's his name? No, Thank you, Nabiha Maliki um, ha, Has not resolved, as you can tell, the the problems that Iraq faces. It it drew in great amount of resentment from the Sunni minority of Iraq, who felt pretty much that they were rep- um, that they were repressed um, in a way that they felt was retaliation for the repression that the Shi'as received from the Sunni Saddam Hussein. And so, from so from two thousand and twelve onwards, partly inspired by the Arab Spring, many Sunni Muslims in Iraq began to protest about this marginalisation, and and uh, and this um, all came to a head in two thousand and three in April two thousand thirteen. Why can't I read numbers in April two thousand and thirteen, when three hundred civilians were killed, um, and this marginal, and this marginalisation also led to the rising support of ISIS um, the Sunni Islamist group, um, with, with many of the Sunni militias within Iraq joining forces um, as, w- as well as some quite worrying supporters of the old regime of Saddam Hussein. Um, ISIS on, um, in June of this year took control of the University of Anbar and held 1,300 students hostage before being ousted by the Iraqi military. Two days later, um, the second largest city in Iraq, Mosul, fell to ISIS control. They seized the government offices, the airport, and police stations, looted the central bank, and um, absconded with over um, 429 million US dollars. And by the way, it probably should be mentioned earlier um, ISIS stands for the Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant. They have a. Uh, like an unofficial five point plan, which is to remove coalition forces from Iraq, overthrow the government, assassinate anyone who supports the government, remove the entire Shia population from Iraq and defeat all of the militants, and establish a pure Islamic state. And of course, the Western world is very, very, very worried about um, what is going on in Iraq. Obama has, you know, been talking again about some sort of intervention with the endless quote of no boots on the ground but something like airstrikes or I'm not sure or, or not what else however he has sent in a very small number of soldiers and military advisers to... Um, well, the first will protect the US Embassy and, and US officials and the latter will attempt to help Iraq and their military and so I think it's probably a good point to maybe stop some music and then we'll rejoin after that music with a debate about what should be done with Iraq and really who is to blame for what is going on in Iraq. So, Thomas, what
2: delightful music do you have for us today? Well, Jack, the music we have is... The music we're going for today is Sunny Afternoon by The Kinks.
3: So pleasantly, live this life of luxury, lazing on the sunny. Now I'm sitting
2: Okay, so as we've seen in the previous Alpha radio show, oh yeah, by the way, there's sunny afternoon by the kinks. As we've seen in the previous Alpha radio show, um, Iraq is obviously a very complicated place. The situation there is incredibly complicated. It's chaotic, I would describe it as the vacuum which has been created through the Second Gulf War and the political instability in the country, that combined with massive um, sectarian values and um, different things. We see that it's a very complicated state of affairs and primarily, arguably, done that way through Western intervention to at least some sort. So the question becomes, what should... Here comes Jack, entering loudly. uh, What should the West's response be to the crisis in Iraq? Um, We've seen that the Iranian president has... uh, Anyone know the Iranian president's name? What is his name? Rouhani. Rouhani. It's very useful having sound here. Um, Rouhani does not is heavily against the idea of the West getting itself involved um, in Iraq. Um, Iraqi President um, and the West has also, Barack Obama has said that he will not get involved until the current Prime Minister is um, got rid of. So now we're in a quite uh, interesting situation. I didn't know you said that. It was quite recent. So, um, let's just quickly start. Sam, what do you think? Should we be looking at a Western intervention here to stop ISIS? Or what, what are your views on the matter?
0: Um, personally, I don't particularly see how a Western intervention could help the situation as it is at the moment. I don't think that popping up al Maliki is sustainable in the long run and it will just get the Western to a quagmire. It's also good to know that the main problem with ISIS in itself is also to do with Syria. It's across both borders. And an intervention with Iraq would probably have to have an intervention with Syria. I think in the short term, the US and Iran should work in just halting ISIS advance and preparing uh, some sort of political solution to win over the Sunni tribes, like they did in getting rid of Al-Qaeda in 2006. And that is probably what needs to be done. Uh also with Syria, once again, there needs to be a ceasefire enforced, I've written about
2: that before. Mm. So, um, well, what would you then say if, uh, in a situation where we now have, where um, President Obama has stated that as long as we've got the current president, uh, the current prime minister in Iraq, he is not going to um, be helping? I mean, they seem to have, uh, the US and Iran seem to have slightly polarised themselves in a way here, that... The U.S. will only come in if the um, Iraqi PM's gone, and if the Iraqi PM goes, and um, Iran uh, wouldn't help. I mean, effectively, Iran is for this uh, Shia staying in control. Um, like this yeah, the Shia staying in control. Well, the U.S. is for a secular state uh, state in at least some manner, more secularish or at least combined. Yeah.
0: I don't think necessarily some kind of political reform will halt Iran's influence in Iraq. I don't think that is necessarily a thing. And I think Iran knows that a stable Iraq is a lot better than an unstable one, whatever, even if it does involve sacrificing Nouri al-Maliki. I mean, the US has got rid of Shia Prime Ministers before, they did it in 2006, with Maliki's and predecessor, and I don't, um, and I can see a similar thing happening again al just has shown that he isn't up to the job, and half his country is now engaged in a swathe of violence, and Iraq might not survive. Iran probably will only intervene if the situation gets worse, but it, they probably won't to try and turn back the tide of ISIS. I think that ultimately is Iraq
2: and Syria's job. Uh, Jack, do you have any points to add at this point?
1: Well, just, I, I pretty much agree with Sam that intervention is not a good idea. I mean, also, I'd I'd, I'd just say, like, we could bomb the hell out of ISIS with some nice, pretty little drones, and they could just come back later, and they would have to go back again, and then back again, and it's just endless on and on and on. So, I mean, also, like, the problem isn't just some militant, or some rebels who were like, sure, why not, let's have some fun. Like... There are deep problems between the Shias and the Sunnis in Iraq, and unless we tackle that and make Nuria maliki realise that he's being a bit of an idiot with what he's doing, then like then the problems will ne- n- never go away. So there are two points I want to come back on that.
2: Um, you've both said that really the West End would be justified in kind of getting rid of um, uh, the current P- uh, Prime Minister, but is that really... does Can uh, we we really uh, support getting rid of someone who was democratically elected? However, perhaps the elections may not have been great. Also, um, so you both also seem to support the idea of a political solution will be necessary in the long run. Um, And of course that will have to influence what political situation we want, will have to influence any military intervention uh, that anyone will take. So does anyone have any ideas they want to share on what they actually see the political situation being? Or split political solution being, if Iraq is to survive as a state, it needs representation
0: from all its um, people, and that, you know, means that they need to have a pluralistic democracy. You may envision something like Lebanon happening, where they um, prescribe certain posts of government to members of certain ethnic minorities. If that is, to, um, if that's to work in the short run, but. If ISIS are to be defeated, then the Sunni minority in, well, in Iraq and um need to um need are the ones who can take get rid of them, for permanently, and that won't happen until there is some pluralism. With Syria, um, there needs to be. And um, the government has particularly ignored fighting ISIS um to. Whistle down other rebels, but again, that needs. Well, um, my one the Syrian government is starting to attack ISIS more to gain international favor. But until the Syrian civil war has got a democratic solution, then ISIS, I think, will still remain a problem.
2: Mm. Um, but uh, so if we did still go for so ISIS is definitely driven by the tensions in uh, between the Shia and um, Sunni um, sects in Iran. But do we actually have, um, with all the atrocities which we've seen go on with Saddam Hussein, you know the, uh, the genocides against the Kurdish, the chemical weapons against the Sunni, the re- uh, repression of the Sunni, the repression of the Shia, etc., etc. Can we really see um, any form of reconciliation being a possibility?
0: Well, the people who have suffered the worst are the Kurds, who are also the ones who are getting on with it. But I think that in most cases of state building that you know people just have to in the end you know that's what happened with lebanon it's what has happened in large sections of europe and i don't think the middle east is particularly any different like you can't just live your life in an endless cycle of war and revenge it just doesn't work and i think that the iraqi people understand that Hmm. Uh,
2: jack do you have anything to add at this point i don't really okay so again so we're starting to see their solution um for a West, uh, Western solution, will have to, of course, involve tackling ISIS at some point. Um, I suppose it's now also put in quite an interesting position with the arrival of ISIS when we look back on Syria, is how do we now take the Syrian government, especially from Western perspective, we're seeing Assad as this horrible, terrible man, but he now is in a quite strong position to actually defeat ISIS, who now seem to be, you know, too bad for Al- Al- Al-Qaeda, that they were kicked out of Al-Qaeda because they were too extreme. Um... So where, where do you see us uh, with a relationship with Syria and now Assad with the development of ISIS coming?
0: Assad doesn't have the power to fight both the rebels and ISIS. His army is too overstretched. And um, since ISIS doesn't particularly want to overthrow him yet and expand into Iraq, that's been a massive help for him. I don't particularly think the West is going to work with Assad. I don't really think anyone's going to work with Assad because I don't think he cares that much about ISIS. I don't believe there are people who fought against him that much of the Free Syrian Army and lots of chunks of rebels. But I can't, the situation in Syria is the bloody stalemate and I can't see anyone winning militarily. So, And I think people understand that there's no point in supporting anyone militarily now.
2: Okay, that's the end of the show. So for a, a good Goodbye from uh, me, Tom Sood.
1: Me, Sam Watley. And me, Jack Cross.
2: And we hope to see you in two weeks' time. Have a lovely evening, weekend, whatever, holiday.